Welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast, your weekly dose of strategies and mindset tools to build a business in alignment with your purpose and to get you playing a bigger game. I'm your host, Nicole Leno. Hello and welcome to the Limitless Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Leno, and I am here with my very special guest today. I'm here with Nikita Ren Figpen, and she helps exhausted powerhouse couples and married women entrepreneurs reconnect with their forever love and amplify their intimacy when they find themselves sacrificing their relationships because they're so consumed with the wild success they're experiencing in business. It's I hope you prioritize the important things while you're being like superhuman achiever. So Nikita Ren, welcome to the show. How are you today? I am magical. Thank you so much, Nicole, for having me. I really do appreciate you opening this space for limitlessness on all the levels. Yes, we are all about being limitless here. And I love, like we were talking just before the show and I, I, I love what you embody. Mm. I love your, your message. And I love really the message that you embody, which is, um, and we're going to talk about a few things kind of centered around your book, but just around the idea of, it, it seems like what you embody is, is stepping into your greatness. Like you even introduce yourself, like I am magical. you own that. And, and, and I love that. So tell the listeners just a little bit about you. What's not captured in that, that little snip of the bio that I read that little byline. Um, Well, I have to say that I was looking at yours because I did professionally digitally stalk you. Right. And I was, (laughs) (laughs) and I was on your website and I was really uh, loving how the, I think it's under the, like who I am introduction of Mm -hmm. yourself and you break down like, yes, I'm dope. I'm analytical. I have all these accolades, uh, you know, all this corporate stuff, all the the sides of me that were fantastic and made money and and helped do all kinds of things in the Fortune 500 world. And I am someone who is intuitive and spiritual and very connected. Like I loved how you said, like there's so many more hats to me than just the dopeness that is my portfolio on paper. So I resonate with that. And I wanted to give you some kudos for it was very well written. I really enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> um, so similarly, you know, the the caption, the umbrella term for me is balance and relationship advisor, because that's what clients over the last 10 years have basically, they've said everything from queen of balance to queen of intimacy to my relationship guru. And we kind of settled in on balance <laughs> and relationship advisor. Uh, my background is I'm a licensed clinical social worker and a trauma specialist. That's what I was doing for nearly 20 years before I became an entrepreneur. Um, almost 10 May will be 10 years old. We're about to have an adult birthday um, <laughs> coming up in just a few seconds. Um, the being a trauma specialist opened up a whole new world for me, doing a lot of the psychotherapy, helping families in the way that I was doing it in systems, in hospital systems, in crisis centers and judicial systems. Those are all the places that I would show up as a trauma specialist. Uh, it showed me that there was a lot going behind the scenes besides them just surviving that that moment of crisis they were in, including how it was impacting the quality of their life and their other relationships, not just with their forever love, as I call it, but with their sisters, their brothers, their cousins, their their kids, 
their parents living and dead. Like there was a lot of challenges that were being brought up because of the trauma and where they were trapped, which led me down the rabbit hole because I love all things human behavior into a plethora of other certifications and going for my doctorate in public health and doing all the things in sexology to really bring me to the space that I'm in now where I use all of my collective gifts, all of my dope hats, if you will, all of the great pieces of the portfolio with helping tens of thousands of families at this point, quite like real number at, you know, honestly, um, it allowed me to step into the coaching world and infuse those modern coaching techniques in a really interesting and different way without losing my clinical skill set and tools. So that's why we kind of settle into like, Instead of saying clinician, consultant, strategist, coach, you know, like the mm-hmm. 5,000 topics you have, <laughs> titles you have, like balance and relationship advisor just feels really good because at the essence, that's what I'm doing. I'm helping you balance yourself and your relationships that matter the most to you so you can create intimacy and ultimately joy. And I think that's what most people are want, even if you don't necessarily know it. <laughs> like some people think they're after the money, they're after, but but the real vision usually involves some version of, you know, your idea of what balance looks like, mm-hmm. you know, being able to have this fulfilled whole existence. Yeah. And we have different areas. We think that we think that things usually where we think needs pressure or needs help, it's more the things on the periphery that need to be strengthened, need to be healed. Yeah. Um, because, you know, and, and, and I just, I, I love that you, you went into trauma therapy because, and now you help people with their relationships, you help people with their business, you help people um, because operating out of wounding is a real subconscious problem that yes. all of us have on mm-hmm. some level. Absolutely. Walking wounded. God, I'm first partaker. I definitely mm-hmm. was a walking wounded therapist who was helping other people. Like there were so many, a lot, let's be very clear here. Most people that go into human behavior are going in to figure out what's wrong with them or what's wrong mm-hmm. with their family, right? Like whether it was the psychology route, sociology, anthropology, right? Like whatever the route was that they went as a helper, it was because they really wanted to help some part of themselves and or the people that were closest to them. And I was no different. It took me a really long time to figure that out. Um, I helped a lot of people along the way while I was still ultimately trying to figure out what was wrong with my mama? What was wrong with my pop? Like, what was wrong? (laughs) Like, what's wrong? Like, why did my family have to be so dysfunctional? Um, And I also had a little bit of, honestly, I would say, Nicole, I had some survivor's guilt. You know, I'm the oldest of five children. I'm the first to do a lot of things, the first to graduate high school, the first to go to college, grad school, post-grad school. I'm the first to get knocked up and still finish school, right? Like I'm the first to do, I'm the first to get married. um, And I still kept them. We we kept them around all these years. Um, I'm the first to do a lot of things. And I had some, and many of my siblings are very well now and they've come come into their own And a couple of them, especially the boys in our family, had a really hard time. And they would ask questions like, well, how come you survived it? How come you don't have any addictions? I'm like, slow your road. I do. It's not sex. It's not drugs. It's not Mm. alcohol. It's not some of the things that, you know, the world would persecute you for. My addiction was stress. I was celebrated Mm -hmm. for being addicted to the adrenaline rush that would allow me to 
have three jobs, working on masters, breastfeeding a kid, you know, walking another, like my addiction was celebrated by other people, which is why it wasn't seen as an addiction. But in fact, it was a full on rush that I was connected to the next problem, the next problem, solving the Mm -hmm. next problem. So I didn't have to look at myself. Yep. And I mean, and that happens to so many of us. And I think that that's like, that's the overachievers addiction is, is that the the feeling you're, and I always say like, be careful, you're addicted to some feelings and asking yourself, like, what is the feeling that I'm emotion feeling that I'm addicted to here? And for me, I have a similar one, which is that, you know, it's why people do very well in corporate when you're codependent and you (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> because you're, it's like, I get the review and I get, you know, I get great reviews and then I get this and then I, I just achieve and I do and I, and I produce and I'm rewarded with either pats on the back or, mm-hmm. you know, deposits in the bank account and it all feels good. And they're all little right. dopamine hits mm-hmm. where I'm getting to feel like it's numbing me out to all the other things that I'm just not paying attention to. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to like mm-hmm. who wants to slow down from all this good high feeling with being productive and 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 knowing that you're actually doing good right like whatever the good is that you're doing where you're getting the adrenaline rush and the dopamine hit from you're you're justifying every time like look at all this magic I'm making yes and you you know you're yeah. justifying it for yourself the world is also justifying it but the little girl or boy or guy whatever inside of you is questioning everything like who who do you think you are do you think you're mm-hmm. good enough for this? This isn't enough. You better do better. You better do more. You better add something else to your resume. That's not enough, mm-hmm. right? You know, take on that ne- next client. Like, it doesn't matter that you don't feel alignment. Like, just go ahead. You have room on your schedule. You don't have room on your schedule. Take them anyway. You're trying to get to $2 million this year. You know, whatever your thought process is, you still have something in you, that wound. I'm calling it the little person inside of you. Yeah. Whatever that wound is, is constantly mind chatter talking to you about why what you're doing isn't sufficient and how you need to do more, go further, even if it's in the wrong direction, um, just so you can continue to get the fix, which is if you happen to be like us as high achievers for everyone who's listening to this podcast, then that that adrenaline and dopamine feels really good. It is very similar to heroin. You know, Mm -hmm. it's very hard to come off of it. You feel really guilty when you're on vacation with your family even though you've planned it six months or two years in advance, you're thinking about how you should be doing the work, how many podcast interviews you have yes to do, how many RFPs you have to sign, how many projects you could be working on right now, how slow your business is going to be because you took a whole two days off, you know, whatever the Mm -hmm. case is, like you're, you're constantly dealing with guilt and shame and resentment and regret and all kinds of things when you're not getting your fix. And the reality is our bodies need so much more from us, but you have to slow, you literally, pun intended here, you have to give yourself permission to slow down before you can speed up. And that's that's one of the challenges for most high achievers and high performers, male and female, quite honestly. So I'm curious, and I know I'm, I'm thinking about the person who's listening to this right now. Yeah. Like, but if I want to get more and I want to have more in, in this life, and I do that through achieving then why would that be wrong? Even if it's coming from a place of wounding, if it's working for me technically, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what would be the benefit to me slowing down to paying attention to that voice when I'm pretty adept at tuning it out or just Mm -hmm. telling it to shut up and I go and, you know, 
numb myself with something else? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a great question. We get that question a lot, honestly. It's really fantastic in the short term. That's the reality. It probably helped you get to where you are right now, wherever you are in the world, for everyone who's listening. If you've earned a couple of degrees, certifications, if you've made millions of dollars for someone else or for yourself, whatever it is, it's gotten you to a certain place, but it won't take you to where you really want to be. Like if you really want to actually enjoy your journey and not just rush through the process, Mm -hmm. if you want to participate in the life to not just you know, plan the trip so you can have an Instagram moment by the the beach so you can, you know, say how much fun you're having and so how much relaxing you're doing, but you actually didn't relax. You took the picture, you made sure your caption was just so right, right? You know, your hashtags, whatever it was. And I'm picking on Instagram, but apply this to any other moment in your life. Maybe you're taking the picture to send to your ex to make sure they know that you still got it, right? (laughs) You know, whatever the case is, but you're, you're having this captured moment that you're not actually even enjoying and living because you're not turning things down, let alone trying to turn them off. Many people can't turn it off because there's 20, 30, 40 years of, Mm. of history with doing it. So it takes a long time to get you into a space where you can turn it off, but you can turn it down pretty quickly if you are willing to slow down and be selfish, quite honestly. You can't get to that other side of where you're going if you don't stop breastfeeding the world because that's ultimately <laughs> what you're doing, right? Like it, whether you have biological children from your body or not, you are breastfeeding every time that you're nurturing and giving out some part of your energy to someone. And for any woman who has had a child and who has, whether you've actually done the breastfeeding or not, and you know you're breasts swell up and it's it's a whole big thing and it's achy and it's painful and it's sore. That happens a lot when you're gorging because you've given too much milk or you haven't given enough, right? Mm. And for most of us who are high achievers, your breasts are constantly swollen and someone is connected to the titty. I hate to say it that way, but <laughs> they are like on it constantly and you have no space for your breasts to just calm down, the swelling to go down and for you to refill. That's exactly what's happening in your life and in your business when you're constantly going. So, you know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm down with this whole breastfeeding analogy because first of all, any excuse to say the word titty, I, I will take, but also... <laughs> Also, speaking as someone who wasn't gorged, who went through that, the way that you, because what I like about this metaphor is that the way to get out of it is actually to regulate Mm -hmm. and to pay attention. And it's because you're not paying attention and because you're just kind of, you're you're giving and giving and giving and giving and your body's producing Mm -hmm. when you don't want it to and when you don't need it to because it's used to it. Exactly. Because it's saying you've you've trained it now to say like produce all the time, produce, mm-hmm. produce, 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 produce. And and so it's it's a fabulous analogy that I would have never thought of. And I love it. Thank you for sh- for sharing it on the show. But um, but but I love that because it's it's paying attention to and and saying like, okay, well, let's get on the schedule, let's start to look at what's happening here, let's yeah. take ownership of this mm-hmm. and take a step back and let's regulate this a little bit so that everybody is healthy here and nobody's choking on the milk Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not worn out and in pain and just doing it because this is how it's been going. And this is apparently how it is now. 
Yeah. Or in a space where, and, and not even or, and when you do keep doing that, you end up resenting, like we love our babies, right? We, we love our children. We want to give them nourishment. We want to continue. And I'm, I'm taking this a little bit more literal into the breastfeeding, but take it out to the figurative. You love the work you do. That's part of why you're doing the work. You love having the opportunity to create the life you have and and make the money and change lives and impact and all the things that you do, which is the proverbial breastfeeding, right? Like you're constantly on, you're, you're constantly giving. But if you are super sore and swollen and exhausted, because you're not regulating to, mm-hmm. you know, pull it all in the way that you said it, you're going to start to resent when you have to show up for work. Now you have that client who you used to be excited about calling because they're, you know, they have the perfect problems for you to solve. Now you're annoyed when you see their number come up on the phone because you're tired. You're just like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I just talked to you three days ago. Why are you calling now? Right. And it's actually probably not even more than it usually is, but you're hitting a spot where now you're getting resentful. This is when you start to question things like your gifts. This is where you start to find yourself in this world. When am I doing what I really want to do? This analysis paralysis kicks in. This is when imposter syndrome goes really high. This Mm -hmm. is when you go from edging burnout to being burnt out and waiting for someone to stick an IV in your arm of (sighs) hydration, right? Like Mm -hmm. help me. Um, And a lot of us won't give ourselves that full permission to pause or to slow down until we are sick when our bodies say no more. And then the world says, oh yeah, oh, you don't feel good, Nikita. Okay, yeah, take a couple days off. Oh, Nikita's been out for a week. What's wrong with her? You, you are what's wrong with me. (laughs) I kept giving myself to you constantly. And when I really look deeper, I'm really what's wrong with me because I allowed it. Mm -hmm. I didn't create boundaries for myself. But the book that I wrote, Selfish, which I know we were talking about earlier, um, pre pre interview formal interview um, in the green room. The subtitle of the book is permission to pause, live, love, and laugh your way to joy. You're not going to get to your joy by working really hard. It's working smarter, enjoying the process. Whether you have 30 years on this earth or 80 years on this earth, actually creating memories that you're a part of, not just captured moments so you can throw it up on the gram. It's really what it's about. Yeah. And I did want to talk about your book because I, the title definitely caught me. I was like selfish. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) And, and I wanted to dig into that because I think, you know, particularly women feel like selfish is a really dirty word. We do, we have gotten more comfortable with self-care. That is a, a buzzword out right now, which I, you know, I, I believe in, although sometimes I'm just like, enough with self-care. Like we talk about a lot now. And what, what the, what the whole thing is, it's just me. I'm just kind of snotty like that. But, um, but, but I, I love the concept of, of, of being selfish. And I want, can you give the listener, the the person who's listening, tell them what your view of being selfish is. I know that you kind of said it a little bit in your tagline, Mm -hmm. but talk about why someone should be either looking at themselves and saying, am I being selfish enough? Or, or really looking at if how how they can be a little more selfish in a good way. In yeah, no, 
Thank you for asking. That's a really good question. So giving a little pre-context to it, because I know a lot of us get vexed when we hear the word selfish, especially if you're a woman, you hear it and you're like, I'm not selfish. No one, you shouldn't be selfish. Self, we've even seen the quotes all across LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, all the places. Self-care is not selfish. Yes, it is. It is <laughs> selfish for you to stop, literally pun intended here with the other example, breastfeeding everyone else to take care of yourself. You, for you to say, no, not right now, I'm going to do me, that means you're taking away from someone else. Now, if you go by the dictionary, that is actually the definition of selfish, the fact that you're not giving and doing and being for someone else in that moment. But let's give some context to the history of the word, right? Like the word was created by an older white man in the 1600s who had a religious authority. And the text changes depending on the journals you're reading, whether he was Pentecostal or Catholic, doesn't matter. He was an older white man who had women coming to him in the 1600s asking and seeking permission to not have to have sex with their husbands whenever their husbands wanted to roll over and do it. They wanted some power to be able to say no. And he said to them, you not giving yourself to your husbands as whatever religious text you're following, the Bible, Quran, whatever it is, as God has told you to do is selfish of you. You are supposed to constantly be available for your husband. That is your right and your duty. I'm sorry. Mm. I love my husband. We've been together since we were 17. I love swinging on chandeliers with him and any anywhere else that he wants to. I have to agree to do it. That is my choice. I want to be able to say yes, honey, anytime and no, not right now and me not feel bad about it because I'm doing it. So when you look at where it came from, a space to shame women, to hold you in a box, to put you in a place of chattel as property for other people, specifically for your mate. And that word we now lock ourselves in by, we lock other women in by it like, oh, you, you mean that you're not putting your kids in 25 activities this week? How selfish of you. You mean you're four months pregnant and you haven't gotten your baby on the preschool list because they're already, you know, lining up, even though you don't know the gender or have a name or, you know, any of that. Like that's selfish of you to not do like what in the world? And we do it to each other to keep us mm. small. And we do it because of a history that we bought into as truth instead of redefining it. So I've honestly taken the word back and I've reclaimed it for myself and anyone else who wants to follow suit with it. And I've redefined selfish as a personal intimate gift and gift is an acronym to create your joy. The gift acronym is what you're doing with your selfish time. You're sitting in a space of gratitude, but not hiding behind it because a lot of us hide behind gratitude. We'll say, oh, I'm just so mm -hmm. grateful. I don't have a right to complain or ask for more. Yes, you do. The God I serve says that you are the head and not the tail, that you are the borrower, you know, the lender and not the borrower, that you are able to do all things. I can be grateful for this opportunity to talk to Nicole Leno on Limitless Entrepreneur, be really excited about it and want more. Like, oh, I can't wait to my next virtual tea conversation with her off the air. I can have both of those things and still be grateful. I can have a booming business for 10 years and want it to be a billion dollar business. There's no shame in you wanting more. But a lot of us are like, oh, you're asking for something you're not grateful. That. I don't subscribe to that narrative anymore. The old Nikita with the walking wounds definitely would have been like, oh, just be, just be complacent. Like you're good. You're, 
you're, you're mm-hmm. doing well enough, right? Like you, you guys are not hungry for anything. Like you're fine. But the ambitious woman who was created to impact on a greater level than even I can imagine wants more. So the G in that gift is really gratitude. The I is imagining yourself becoming who you were meant to be and being able to see yourself forward and all the the ways you are not wounded in the 10.0 or 100.0 version of yourself. The F is to forgive yourself. If you are not selfish, you cannot forgive all of the people you need to, including yourself, because you're moving too fast. You'll say the right words. Oh, I forgive that person who assaulted me. I forgive that person who made me feel less than. I forgive that bully. I forgive that queen bee in corporate who really tried to destroy my life, right? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. and take me down. Like, I forgive, I forgive. You'll say it, but not actually embody it. And part of it is because you haven't forgiven yourself for anything that you allowed. Mm -hmm. You got to really take full extreme ownership of the toxic people that you still allow in your life. The sister, the cousin, the friend that's been calling you for five years, having the same conversation over the boyfriend that they're not leaving. And you Mm -hmm. answer the call every time, knowing you have 5,000 other things to do, but you still allow it. Even though you might pull a talk with your lover, I can't believe Lisa called me again, talking about the same thing, right? But you're allowing it to happen. So the F is really, the forgiveness is huge to forgive yourself. And the T is to take action. You need space to take action in whatever you want to do to become the, whatever that I was you saw yourself becoming. You need the space to do it. And you can't do it if you're not being selfish because otherwise you're just giving to everyone else. You're running everyone else's marathon for them and with them carrying their weight. And when you're dead and gone and buried, someone will be able to say uh, she was a really good person that worked hard but they won't be able to say that you lived a good life because you didn't actually live one in the first place. You were helping everyone else live theirs. Yeah. And one of the things that just keeps coming up, as you were saying all of that so eloquently, and I, I I subscribe to every single thing that you said, I, I totally believe in it, that there's one thing underneath it that, that is like the sinister thing in there. And that's, it's the needing validation and that coming from wounding. So hiding behind your gratitude because I need validation that I'm a good person and I'm trying to please, we're either trying to please the people out there in our world, the people who are close to us, the people who are watching us now, because we feel like the world is watching us with social media and we have this greater collective to show off for. And then we also have, there's some spiritual realm for some of us where if, if you are religious, if you are just spiritual, whatever you believe in, that you feel like you are being watched and you are being judged. Am I being a good enough Catholic, Christian, spiritual healer? Am I mm-hmm. being enough this? And when all of that falls away, that's when all of the work just happens yeah. and things get easy and, and, and the nonsense kind of falls away. Yeah. And for me, like, first of all, I want to kind of just throw this little soundbite in here because you heard from Nikita here that, that so self-care is selfish and that's okay. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We said it. Self, self-care is selfish and that's okay. And, and the goal, like so many people are trying to be perfect. So many people are trying to, to get things right. 
And again, comes from the validation. It keeps you from the gift, like mm-hmm. you're like you're saying, mm-hmm. because we're chasing something that doesn't really exist. Because you're chasing something, something exterior to fill an interior wound. Absolutely. The void, the voids are what makes people do all the things that they write books about later and say, I can't believe I did Mm -hmm. that. The void is what made you date that guy and you knew daggone well, he was no good. He was shiftless, (laughs) (laughs) right? Like, you know, he might've had a a cute face and a nice body, but outside of that, you couldn't stand him. You dated him anyway, because he filled the void. He was Mm -hmm. someone to talk to. He was someone to keep you busy from that moment, whatever that 2.2 minutes that you might've had in the day to think about yourself, to talk to yourself, to look at your own self in the mirror and tell yourself that you are lovable and worthy and deserving and enough and and enough for you, enough for whoever you're supposed to attract in. And you were talking about that in the green room, like being Mm -hmm. more than enough for you, maybe too much for someone else, but those are the people that aren't for you anyway. But you, instead of having that moment, you gave that 2.2 minutes to that ex right? And now, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking the Sunday night game or whatever that reference is, you're looking like, what made me date so-and-so? Like, John was horrible. Well, that was that void. That was that walking Mm -hmm. wound. And, you know, there was something seeping up from it. It was something calling you, trying to talk to you, tell you, pay attention to me. You're like, no, I don't have time for that. Oh, you're giving me some attention. Okay. Let me let you be let me let you bother me for a little bit because it keeps me off of me. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. we are our, our greatest champions and our biggest barriers, right? Like on all the all the levels, you're not looking for your purpose outside of you. You're not looking for your lover, the, the greatest person you ever find. You're going to attract everything you need because your spirit is creating it for you. When you think about you know, love and light and, and waterfall, all of a sudden you find yourself taking vacations and places that are filled with love and light and waterfalls. Focus on it. You'll find more of it. You focus on all the negative things and all the shiftless people in your life. You're going to attract more of it and try to figure out like, why is my life filled with so much drama? What are you thinking about most of the time? What are you talking mm-hmm. about? Who are your five closest people? What are they constantly talking about? Like what's really happening inside your vibrational orbit that's attracting a lot of this nonsense to you? Yeah, there's a a, a like mantra that I that I heard. Oh, I, I think Carolyn Elliott's book, um, Existential Kink. I think Ooh. that's where it came from. Yes, it's, mm. it's interesting. I'm definitely um, going to look this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, she says, having is evidence of wanting. Mm. And I love that because it sort of, it takes the victimness out of all of it. That if I have something coming into my world, if I have a feeling, if I have chaos, if I have um, nasty boyfriends, if I have, you know, whatever it is, on some level, I want it. Mm -hmm. On some level, I am, I'm calling out to this energetically and it is being attracted to me. So, and something I always say is, is, you know, exchange criticism for curiosity. So instead of beating yourself up, for like, well, why am I attracting these terrible things? Like, like, what is it about me? What's wrong with me? And don't go into that place. And instead just be like, why am I attracting this? Mm -hmm. Let me think about that. Mm -hmm. Let me feel into it. Yeah. What about this might I be 
enjoying and liking and, or what's it satisfying in me? Yeah. And, and that, so, so I, I, I love what you're saying and, and completely agree with it. And that if we start paying attention to the things that are happening, that kind of clues us in to the areas that need healing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Even, you know, for the wanting part of, and I didn't read the book, I'll have to, just because I love the title, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> I know you're not supposed to the great the title. by the cover, but I'm just saying, um, <laughs> um, there's also when we lean into the fear of what we don't want but we perseverate on it so much that it sends a signal to the universe that we want it. Right. So some of the Mm -hmm. wanting that you're like, Oh no. Like if they, you know, for anyone who's listening, like myself who read, who hasn't read the book yet, you go read it and you're like, no, this woman, what is she talking about? I didn't, I didn't want to, uh, you know, have that moment in the, I don't know, on the street. I'm trying not to traumatize traumatize anyone with a, you know, traumatizing example, Mm -hmm. but I didn't want that moment where someone, you know, snatched my purse, even though I got it back or whatever. But if you were already walking down the street, constantly fearing, holding, clutching your purse, like, Mm -hmm. God, I hope no one takes anything from me. You really are sending that out. My husband and I, uh, my son who is almost 25, he was just born a few months prior and we weren't living together at the time. Uh, we were young, obviously. Um, I had him while I was in college. Uh, and we were walk- he was walking me to the bus stop. He was keeping the baby that night. And I was going back to, to class after being off for that six weeks or whatever it was that I could afford to take off after I had him. Um, I went to Drexel University for undergrad and it's mm-hmm. trimester based. So, you know, quick, fast semesters. So this is uh, late December after Christmas. He's walking me to the bus stop and we're literally talking about um, stick up kids is what we call them from, from mm-hmm. Philadelphia. So for anyone listening, stick up kids are people who are arriving, you know, they're waiting to rob you. They're looking to rob people to stick you up, basically. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why we were having this conversation. It just kind of came from nowhere. But we were both like, yeah, you know, because stick up kids and I don't know if I have time for that. I don't even know what we were talking about. But for mm-hmm. some reason, for at least two or three blocks and we probably had about a 12 block walk for two or three blocks of this walk. We were talking about stick up kids very deep. And what happens before we're a half a block from the bus stop, we get stopped by two or three. I think it was three of them stick up kids that mm. were trying to rob us. Now, mind you, we didn't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. So I'm not really <laughs> sure what they thought they were going to get from us. Um, my husband is, has always been a watch collector. But back then, I mean, like the most expensive watch he had was like a guest watch for you know, a hundred dollars or something. Um, And I had literally nothing. I had my, my medical cards, my IDs and just enough money for my trans pass the next day that I was going to buy plus my bus money to, to get in. Uh, So when they stopped to, to rob us and, you know, they're young and they're dumb and they're, they're being ridiculous and bravado and all the things out of all the moments that were happening, all I kept thinking of was don't take my son's medical card. He's only a few weeks old and I need to be able to take him for his shots in a couple of weeks. And I literally was saying, I was like, don't give me my medical card back. Like I was so aggressive and so serious, but I was blinded by the moment. I didn't even know. And my husband and I can joke about it now because we were safe and we were fine after all of it was done years later, we were able like, don't talk like that. Like we were calling it in when we were Mm -hmm. having this really deep, fearful conversation Mm -hmm. about not wanting to get robbed because we know stick up kids were like coming in masses because, you know, it was post Christmas time. So they were hoping to get people's gifts, you know, whatever the case was Um, here. We were talking and we just called it forth in the middle of it. I still didn't catch what just happened. All I was doing was zoning in on what I could protect in that moment. Mm -hmm. 
And we'll all do that with fear. We'll be, call in the fear by being su- the fearful moment by thinking about it so much, maybe even talking about it out loud to someone, maybe to just to ourselves, then it happens. And mm. sometimes we just fall right into it or we try to shift out of whatever the, the crisis moment is happening and think about something we can control, suppressing the crisis that just happened and waking up tomorrow as if it didn't happen. You have all of that undealt with adrenaline that got just like shut off in a box. And now yeah. you're trying to figure out why you had an anxiety attack in the, the bathroom at work three weeks later when nothing yep. was happening because of all that. We will do that to ourselves if we don't slow down enough and really think about what we want and be careful what what we say, what we vibrate out and how deep we're willing to allow those fears to be expressed out of us because we will ultimately call in the reality of it. And I think that's a good place to kind of to kind of wrap things up and just with that message of of really realizing that when we are that the emotions that we the, the emotions that we feel the things that the things that happen that we do have to feel them they will find their way out mm-hmm. somehow and you can either control that and be part of it and be part of the process or you can be a victim to it and be at its mercy where it comes out however it comes out however it chooses and that typically is is not at the time that you would choose or in the way that you would choose. And sometimes it's just very sneaky. And for, I know a lot of business owners, it shows up as just as, as a lot of fear holding them back and the playing small mm-hmm. because we haven't forgiven ourselves for allowing something to happen. And there's a little child inside of us that's going, you're so stupid. Think about all the times you've screwed up, all the yeah. times that you've done, all the times you've wasted money and all the things that didn't work out. You can't be trusted with this now. What are you, crazy? Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so I, I feel like that is like a, a broader message here that, that being selfish is actually about preserving and, and bringing out the real you. Absolutely. Self-preservation is crucial, especially when you're trying to preserve who you're becoming and not hold yourself bound to who you were when you were younger, maybe not as fast, not as strong, maybe not as brilliant, you know, and and adept to whatever lessons you've learned along the way. But self-preservation of who you really are becoming is so important. And I stand in it completely. Be selfish, not to be egotistical, not to put other people down, not to be mean to people when you have to tell them no. Your boundaries should be expansive enough to allow who you're becoming to come forward to you. They shouldn't just be restrictive with no, 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 no. Although no is my second favorite word. Boundaries is my first, right? (laughs) Like, you know, and I, I encourage all of you who are listening, especially as entrepreneurs and business owners, be in a space where you are making lots of room for all the opportunities to say no. Put yourself in a position where you have lots of people coming to you like, oh, Nicole, I need you for this. Nicole, can I have you, Nicole? Where you get to say, no, thank you. Here's an application. Here's a filter. Here's, you know, here's something else until you're ready for me. Let me push this check across the table to a referral partner or a power partner or someone else because I'm saying these no's, not because I'm being high and mighty, because I'm making room for the yes that I really want. I want to be available for that. Yes. And not look at my schedule booked and busy with a bunch of things that I'm not really interested in and aligned with because I couldn't say no. And 
that all comes from trusting enough that the yes opportunity is coming. Yes. <laughs> that, you know, cause, cause we say yes to things that we don't really want to say yes to because we're afraid that there, there isn't the right opportunity around, around the corner. Scarcity thinking, right. Versus mm-hmm. limitless thinking. Absolutely. For sure. Well, I think that is a perfect place to, to wrap this up because I think that that, that kind of sums up everything right there. But, but Nikita, this was such a wonderful conversation. Um, thank you for sharing everything that you shared. Just, just, you, you speak so fluently about all of this stuff. It obviously you embody what you teach, which is just, it's lovely for me to talk to people like this, but I, I know that, that everybody listening really got a lot out of it as well. You. Um, can you tell everyone where they can stay in touch with you? How can they, they get more of you out in the world? Yeah, I think the easiest place to go is thigpro.com. That's our website where you can get access to the calendar if you want an official joy activation call to talk about alignment. If you really are not sure and you just want to enjoy the conversation a little bit more, go to our Certified Selfish Facebook group. It's free. It's private. So, you know, no one necessarily sees what you're writing inside. But the women there are fast-scaling married women entrepreneurs, and we're talking about everything from physical and sexual and emotional intimacy all the way through crisis and aesthetic intimacy and, and fun and recreational intimacy, like everything that you need to be able to really amplify who you are inside and become who you're meant to be and lots of free trainings and all kinds of good juicy things that are in there. So if you really want a little bit more, I would come in there. Um, before you go make a call. I love that. I am, well, first of all, I'm going to join that group because that sounds awesome. And we will link all of that up in the show notes. So you do not have to worry about it. If you were not able to write that down, we will, we've got you go check the show notes and we will link up all of that. So you can just be teleported right over to both of those destinations that Nikita just shared with us. Um, So thank you so much again, Nikita. Thank you for being here. And thank you to the listener who's still here listening to the very end of this show. We appreciate you for staying with us and for being part of this conversation. Remember, you are only limited by the limitations that you accept. And when you stop accepting those limitations, that is when you become limitless. We'll see you on the next episode. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more of this type of content and conversation in your life, please come check out our free Facebook community, Unlock Your Inner CEO, where you'll find next level entrepreneurs just like you. Go to innerceogroup.com to join. I'll see you there.